Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where we look at the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's topic, high fashion freight. This week, it's Paris Fashion Week, where the world's greatest fashion designers show off their latest ideas to buyers, publishers, and retailers. Now, the pieces shown off can hold extreme value. So as a freight forwarder, how do we support French maisons or houses to get their products to customers worldwide? And what goals do they have as global brands? Joining me today from Paris is Global Account Manager Sophie Ducanois and District Manager of Paris, Marc Rochette. Sophie, Marc, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Uh, very happy to go over this topic today with you. Thank you, Chris, for having us. It is my pleasure to have both of you. So I know we've got, okay, this sounds like a really cool topic. I'm actually really excited to talk about this one today. But before we get into that, I wanted to get to know both of you first a little bit. So Sophie, starting with you, could you walk me through uh, your career and how you got to where you are today? And, and what do you like about supporting um, these uh, these fashion maisons or the house, these houses that you work with? Yeah, I'm a, I would say that I'm a pure baby of expeditors. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, 20 years uh, with the company and just joining the family after high school. And I went through the different uh, departments and learned a lot and joined the um, account management program in 2006. And it was really something that fit to me. It's a pleasure to work with the customer. It's really what fit to my personality with expeditors. And I was all the time with retailer uh, customer. And the nice thing uh, to be an account manager uh, at expeditors is really that you have different customer and each time is different. Mm -hmm. You always learn. Yeah. Always yeah. learn. So then what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your time? It's adaptability and resilience, I mm -hmm. would say, uh, through the different customers, a different industry and different expectation. Everything is always new. Uh, you, you build each time with, with your new customer and you learn uh, a lot with them um, on, on their supply chain approach, on their vision and even on the company itself. Fantastic. All right, Mark, your turn. Uh, walk me through your career and, and what you do as district manager. What do you love about working with fashion? houses? So I've been with the company for 19 years. I started in the Middle East. So I've worked in different offices and I've been based in Paris since 2013. Uh, so my responsibility is to oversee uh, the operational part as well as the development part in the territory of uh, Paris and work a lot with Sophie and other stakeholders uh, in the district uh, to support our clients in the high fashion industry. And I've learned a lot because, uh, well, obviously, Paris is the epicenter of, of high fashion uh, in Europe and globally. Um, so that interaction and that exposure um, taught me a lot. Uh, one thing I've learned and most important thing is no client is a, has the same requirement. Um, never take things for granted. <laughs> uh, always be proactive and very reactive. Yeah. Uh, it's a highly demanding uh, industry. Um, People are uh, facing a lot of stress, whether in the logistics or um, in the creative departments, they are all facing tough timelines and tough requirements. So yeah. we have to be there for our clients. And it's totally different industry from uh, the other industries that we serve. Cool. Well, with that, let's go ahead and dig in because I, I want to know more about these requirements, too. Uh, but first things first, when you look at high fashion how do you define it and what do these products and pieces look like? Uh, Mark, let's start with you. High fashion is all about luxury and beauty and finesse and elegance. It's about products that everyone desires, 
mm-hmm. but not everyone can afford. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot around all the design, the innovation, and the creativity uh, that are brought by all those luxury designer. I think it, it's all around, like Mark mentioned, desirable uh, product. Mm-hmm. It's a lot about that, and I think also the high value may attract also people, but the high value is really based on the quality and the long lasting product Mm -hmm. and also a kind of heritage of the different uh, maisons and the culture and uh, the, the art that they want to put in their product to make them very attractive. So, so when an event like Fashion Week comes around, what does it mean to the fashion world, to French culture? It's a highly awaited event whether in France or international, it brings a lot of attention, whether it is from the local or the international media. Uh, One reason for it is because it showcases uh, the French creativity, pires and sets the tones for other creators on what the fashion will look like for the coming season. So it's highly awaited and it gets a lot of coverage from the media. Yeah, it's it's a lot about uh, branding. We want to uh, be the leader on the luxury market. So all those maisons, uh, that's really the time that they want to show the prestige from the French art. And that's their moment to shine, I would say. All right. So Sophie, let's start with you for this one here. What kind of factors are drawing the most attention from high fashion brands today uh, what are their what are they most concerned with nowadays? Yeah, and just uh, as a quick intro, uh, um, for me it was important also to uh, uh, to highlight uh, just uh, uh, the um, the revenue that has been generated last year for the global fashion industry. We are talking about yeah, 1.5 trillion last year. For me. Post-pandemic, uh, there is a, a change. The supply chain really rethink the priority for the fashion and luxury industry. Of course, looking for a more agile supply chain and that definitely now integrate more sustainability approach uh, into their uh, mm-hmm. business model. What we have seen also is that the um, younger uh, generation are really expecting more transparency on the sustainability program uh, that the different brands can uh, can have. This generation also uh, creates a, a revolution um, in the speed uh, uh, up to the pace of the um, luxury industry. Uh, for me, there's, there's two mm-hmm. new fundamentals now in the, uh, for, for, for the industry is the value of time and the sustainability. Also really important is that they are expecting uh, those maisons or those brands really to have uh, like ethic, really an ethical uh, governance that include also compliance. And if we are much more mm-hmm. in a technical aspect, I would say everything that is also around the, uh, the regulation and the customs regulation that we have. And... We were talking yeah. about branding. For me, it's key for the uh, high-end fashion brand. And this means that for them, they must achieve to have a branded supply chain. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's not only having product that desirable by people, uh, but they need to have an excellence in the distribution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this will go through the supply chain model. I love that. 
branded supply chain as if they as if each fashion maison does things in a very specific way they've got their own they've got their own style of of moving their goods around i think that's that's a really cool idea uh mark what about you when you work with your customers uh what are the kinds of things that concern them or that they are really prioritizing right now high fashion customers are convinced that having an efficient supply chain is crucial for Mm -hmm. their development making sure that their shipments and their products are uh, moving in a safe environment and mm-hmm. in a especially in a compliant manner. Uh, there are a lot of restrictions. There is a lot of uh, regulations that surround uh, some of the products, uh, especially when we're talking about animal products or other origins that can have certain restrictions in in certain countries. And when you're a famous brand, uh, sometimes bad news. Uh, hit the press uh, really quick and we want to make sure that uh, the image is protected and that is an important factor for the continuity of uh, of the brands so i guess then how does the fashion industry engage with logistics and what are the particular needs that it has to move these kinds of products so security is very important for our customers Uh, they do feel that those products are recognized almost everywhere Uh, and everybody wants to have them. And unfortunately, not anyone can afford them. Uh, And uh, it is very important that the supply chain is secured from end to end. So that's the first requirement, reliability and the security of the supply chain. Uh, Another thing that is important is the visibility. Having an integrated supply chain, whether with your forwarder or with your service provider, is very important because customers are very anxious and very eager to receive their goods. The last thing you want is not knowing where they are, uh, having them delayed and having at the end of the day, an angry customer who might go to another brand. Uh, So I would say those are the most important factors. Sophie, anything to add? I totally join what you said. Um, the visibility and the security are crucial uh, for those fashion uh, supply chains. And uh, also, I would say that as they are very integrated, because it involves the design, then they have to do the sophisticated uh, manufacturing. Uh, they have also, they use values of uh, transportation plan. So, Everything has to really connect and be efficient uh, in this regulation worldwide. It includes uh, for them to adopt a very uh, a faster making process and do so urgently. There's no room to fail for this kind of product. Right. They really need to have the expectation of the customer for the product, but they have also to continue the unique experience until it's delivered to their final customer. Mm -hmm. And generally, you have, like Mark mentioned, we have to deliver uh, the high-value product uh, sometimes in an hotel or for a trade show or for shooting photo. So it has to be done really in a securely manner. Sophie brought up a good point that they're delivering to either hotels, they're delivering to, sounds like a lot of temporary locations. These aren't just regular warehouses that they're bringing product to where it's going to be there for years and years. These kind of final destinations change constantly, so we need to be accurate with where we're delivering them to. That, with you calling out an integrated supply chain, leads me to believe that a fashion maison does not work with a lot of service providers. Is it common for a fashion maison to have its own um, delivery service under them? 
No, they really rely on 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 service provider, okay, and okay. Uh, yeah, they have generally a, a, a long term relationship and confidence. Uh, we know that in this industry, uh, it it's a lot on reliability, and they expect that the service provider to cover all this, I would say, transportation and logistic part. Right. The Maison are, are working on everything that is design, creativity, innovation, and they partner uh, with service provider to be excellent in the distribution of their product, mm -hmm. covering th those different uh, aspects. So they're working directly with their service providers quite frequently and very closely. My next question for that one is, what role does a freight forwarder have to play within this environment? Because I mean, usually we're the ones who are working with the service providers on behalf of our customers. So what do we do for a fashion maison? I think it starts most importantly with understanding well their requirements. Uh, what do they need and when do they need it and how do they need it? Mm -hmm. And those requirements are very specific uh, when it comes to high fashion. Not every transporter can commit to that. So they would need a lot of flexibility, a lot of innovation and a lot of reactivity from uh, their partners. The human factor is very important mm -hmm. because the relationships that are built uh, with our customers are relationships that last because they go through a lot of challenges. Uh, and that experience and sometimes in failures and successes uh, creates a strong bond. And that bond is something that will last for a long time. So I think most importantly, the industry looks for reliability and an understanding of their sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. um, and also very important to note that even though these are expensive products, doesn't mean you have to pay a million to move a bag or a shoe. Uh, we're still, there's a lot of constraints uh, on cost, uh, on sustainability, and uh, you have to adhere to that. So there's a lot of requirements uh, from the customers and it takes time to understand those. And it's not just about moving a shipment from a point A to a point B. It's everything that happens before that shipment is ready. Mm -hmm. uh, the products are ready. Uh, the planning of it, making sure it's moving in a secure way. Once it gets to its destination, final destination, all that compliance part, making sure it goes through customs in a very compliant way, but you have to make sure all this is ready before even the products move. So there's a lot of proactivity that mm -hmm. the freight forwarder um, should demonstrate in order uh, to make sure that that movement is successful. You know, when I'm looking at the types of things that show up at Fashion Week or at you know, Met Gala, these outfits, uh, dresses and suits, they, they can... They take all sorts of different forms and shapes using all different kinds of materials to put them together. How hard is it to classify high-end fashion when you're trying to get your customs in order? It's very tough. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, 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 it's very challenging because these mm. are not common products. Yeah. Uh, those products have just been released. Uh, so there's no historical data uh, that you can use. Uh, classification, sometimes it can differ from the color, the size, uh, whether it's high heels or small heels, it's five centimeters. So once those products are released, uh, there's a lot of work to be done to making sure that each product has the right classification. Mm -hmm. yeah. The complexity is also because, like you mentioned, it's prototype or really unique piece. And then when you have to classify or to ask a consultancy to classify with those products, you need to provide with a lot of information. And that's the 
more complicated things to do mm-hmm. and can be classified differently depending on the market they are going. Let's say the US regulation and the Chinese regulation We are when we are talking about fur or very specific. Uh, this is the very difficult part for the Maison for this unique piece to have um, the right classification. But generally, they got the support uh, of uh, the consultant person and uh, with the customs authority again when they know and they have confidence on 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 the brand on the name of the company that they are working properly and they are doing they work together with the customer authority to confirm what has been classified but yeah i would say the complex thing is the fact that can be a unique product that has no history and depends also on uh, which market it will goes and the customs regulation for each of the markets yeah, based yeah. on the product itself. It's an excellent question on, on classification because it will also bring out another aspect of the logistics uh, and the day-to-day that we deal with, which mm-hmm. is communication. Mm-hmm. Because once those products are made available, then you need to identify what is the right HS code, what classification will fit to, to that product. And that information usually is available with many people within the organization. So because you have to check what is the origin of the raw material, uh, what is the percentage that is used from that uh, particular raw material. So it pushes the forwarder or the uh, customs broker to be very proactive, but also to be very reactive from the moment those products are made available to make sure that they capture and ask the right questions to every stakeholder within the organization. And sometimes it's more than one person and sometimes it's uh, in different locations as well. So it requires a lot of coordination when it comes to getting that information available. Uh, Sophie, you mentioned like the younger generation now with their greater expectations from the fashion industry with uh, transparency, with you know sustainability. Talking more about customs, what kind of uh, compliance or regulatory challenges does high fashion face that requires so much of its attention right now? Like, is there is the industry changing or is the compliance changing? Given the high value uh, of those products, there's a lot of scrutiny when it comes to uh, customs. Uh, in a sense, are we Customs authorities want to make sure that those products are authentic, Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, they are uh, what they claim to be uh, in terms of uh, the material uh, that is used uh, for production. And most importantly, um, the valuation uh, of those products uh, are uh, correct. The, the, the biggest challenge is CITES. You know, they want to make sure that they have the right licenses and the right documentation for that. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that, uh, perhaps, Sophie? Yes, CITES is, is in fact regulation of the uh, animals and uh, species that are protected. Mm-hmm. My thought is that with a, with a much more uh, approach in terms of environment and protection, mm-hmm. there is much more regulation on everything that is around animals, nature, and then it, it asks those high fashion brands to be much more compliant and to have awareness of what is able to be done or not anymore. Mm-hmm. If we take the example of, let's say, the California, uh, you cannot uh, send some crocodile belt 
because they are uh, totally under protection. Mm -hmm. So that will be in in this sense uh, where they had to be much more compliant than before. I'm not sure since when does exist those CITES regulation and the protection around the the, the species and protected species, but uh, definitely it has an impact on the high fashion uh, industry uh, to be more cautious and more compliant uh, on what they were using as as, um, raw material. They cannot let the designer do everything that they want to do like before. Now they have also to be compliant with those protected or those new regulation uh, on the environment. You know, I had recently learned that uh, fashion labels want to be able to provide their, they want to make their products available to, you know, the market within 48 hours of, of like a re- announcing or of like releasing, you know, uh, a certain piece um, or showing it, presenting it to, to the public with speed to market being part of this luxury experience. How are they making changes to better meet their goals, but then also still keeping, you know, this, this luxury experience available to its customers. Those fashion brands have made a sustainable development, uh, radio strategic priority since mm-hmm. uh, years now. It's true. Uh, they want to deliver their customer or their stores or, or give a very VIP experience in 48 hours. And then they have to be also neutral carbon. That's, that's uh, an objective. Uh, but they, they, they have to find some ways, I would say, to minimize or to decarbonize their supply chain and particularly when they are using the air uh, mode of transport. So yeah, there, there is some initiative uh, that has been done. Uh, we can talk about uh, the SAF fuel. I'm sure that you have heard about that, mm-hmm. but this is helped to buy biofuel and then to reduce uh, the global CO2 uh, footprint on their uh, over, overall uh, movement uh, by air. So they, they, they have done top priority, but it's not only on the transportation. They work also and they have a very high target in terms of uh, sustainability. And they work also on everything that is packaging. They want to make sure also that all their production sites can be carbon neutral or very high quality environment. Mm-hmm. And they develop a program around the environment and they, they have the kind of objective like for uh, 2030 uh, to have 100% of their new products uh, will result from sustainable raw materials. The, the wine and spirit sector worked a lot because we have seen even this year with the climate and, and the water that was missing, they try in the vineyard to use also some sustainable way to uh, reuse water and minimize also uh, the consumption of, of water in their vineyard. And one thing is also important that um, every customer is challenging us for the most sustainable solution. Sometimes it might not be there, but uh, what we can see is there's all they are always on the lookout on what is the best way and most eco-friendly way to move uh, their products. 
This might be asking us to use electric trucks, uh, asking for uh, different modes of uh, transport that can uh, meet their requirement. But there's a lot of work to, to be done to attract also the younger generation who is very self-conscious and conscious about the impacts of global warming and are looking for products that are uh, more sustainable and eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. We're still not there yet. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but it's still a challenge given the fact that you have this speed to market that the product needs to be available as soon as they are released. So with high end fashion products, we're looking at one single item, some with long histories and therefore tracking is important. What is the latest with keeping these high value shipments secure? I would say the most innovative thing that is um, happening today in the market is real-time visibility, mm. uh, understanding and knowing exactly uh, where those products are in real time. And that would reassure our customers and but also it will reassure their customers knowing that at any point of time they can locate their products or their purchased goods. And it's not about just the standard visibility. There are solutions being put in the market, whether it is uh, packaging, whether it is tracking uh, devices. Uh, uh, and those are becoming uh, very handy and very much used and consumed by the high fashion industry. We have a team that is trained and skilled to uh, orchestrate uh, those high-value cargo movements. In fact, the, the, the concept is we never take our eyes off your shipment. So for that, it will be a human and it will be, uh, like Mark mentioned, those innovation with the device. But this is definitely monitoring 24-7 and it can be around, depends on what are the requirements and what is the, uh, the type of product, but can be security escort, can be a corridor routing that is agreed uh, with the police, can be uh, overpacking uh, with sealed, not seeing what is the kind of product and using those cargo sensors, we can have a real-time data and you can even have that on the map of your phone at any time. You can mm -hmm. see exactly where your cargo or where your product is. So we, we have a kind of package of different uh, security measures that can be deployed, depends on uh, the expectation and maybe the high-value cargo. But it's a lot about a team orchestrating everything around that. All right. Last question for you guys here. We've been talking a lot about high-end fashion, the, the luxury experience, you know, the specific needs of this industry. Why is it important to know how these kinds of products are moved? Like, what does it matter? Why, why should any of this be important to the, you know, the retail customer, the, the common folk, as it were? <laughs> this, this whole world, the high fashion world is inaccessible mm -hmm. to me, right? I'm never going to buy one of these things. Why should I care about what we're talking about today? Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty deep question. <laughs> well, I, I would say it's very interesting uh, uh, to see the standards uh, that uh, are in place because of uh, that industry uh, when it comes to security, when it comes to moving uh, shipments end to end in a secured and compliant way. They set the standards really high mm -hmm. when it comes to customer requirements. That would be inspiring for others uh, uh, to see how uh, this is being done uh, and the amount of uh, resources and efforts being put behind. Whenever you see a nice bag uh, in the display, uh, 
it's not just someone who grabbed it and put it there. There's a lot of work. There's a mm -hmm. lot of uh, people who uh, invested to work tirelessly to get this bag uh, in display. Uh, might not interest yeah. a, a lot of people, but uh, uh, it is also an industry that has an impact of $1.3 trillion on the global economy. There's a lot of people who, who work uh, uh, in that industry and gain their living uh, because of this. So even though the products are not very accessible to the common people, but it's still a very important uh, driver in the economy. It's the French prestige that is showing mm -hmm. there uh, with this industry. And we need to keep in mind that they create something. We are we are talking about craftsmen, uh, artisan. We are talking about heritage of the savoir-faire. There is a lot of French world, but mm -hmm. that's that's what we want <laughs> to to show. And when we have this fashion week, is to show what's uh, um, what's France, what Paris, and what the different fashion brands are still able to create as heritage of value and art and we need to keep that and that's still something that is important for the world uh, also this fashion industry because it attracts a lot of people around that and also it generates a lot of pride but also those high fashion industry they hire a lot of people and they train those mm -hmm. people also. They even create a program and it's open to everyone. And they really want everyone to, to have his, his success in the high fashion. Uh, it can be any people. And then you have a mix of celebrities that are now, and like we take the example, but we can have celebrities be the edgery of, of, the, of this brand. And so for me, it's, it's much more like a kind of recognition of the... Um, French art, French culture, French heritage, but in the mm -hmm. high fashion. It can be with the music, but we are talking about the high fashion. And everybody has yeah, to yeah, has to wear something every day. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, France, for everything that I wear. No. <laughs> well, Sophie, Mark, thank you so much for the time that you took today to, to chat with me about this. This was really a lot of fun to talk about. Well, I really enjoyed that discussion. Thank you for having us, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.